This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Marnie, I just want to give you a little heads up uh, so that you don't hate Christian and I because... We are not being sensitive towards what is going on in the world right now. The episode that you're about to listen to was recorded a few weeks ago. So, you know, curtain drawn back and you know our little tricks now, but um, we recorded these before anything was happening in the world. So just know that we're not being totally insensitive and totally blind to what's going on in the world. We know that it's an extremely pressing and surreal time right now, and we want each of you to be safe, but we also want you to be entertained and armed for when all of this is over, because dating is still happening. We just saw tons of articles that saying that people are going onto their apps, app usage is surging, and people are going on and trying to date even though they can't be close to each other. So this information that we're sharing with you, please try to tweak it a little bit so that you can use it for modern times. All right, I'll let you listen to the show now. If you guys have been listening to Ask Women for a while, you probably know my voice associated with some cynicism, maybe some jokes you are not a fan of, or maybe you are a fan of because you've got great taste. Well, either way, I've come a long way from that cynical gal, and I'm doing amazing things helping guys get their banter and conversation skills on track, as well as making those dating profiles look not so terrible. Or dare I say good? No, dare I say great. I get them looking great. And I've been doing it long enough now that I'm seeing actual results coming in from guys that I've worked with. Like, you know, for example, engagements, things like that. I have to say, I feel pretty good about my skills and those dudes do too. So if you want to be smooth and witty in conversation or smooth and witty in your profile, you know who to come and see. And that's me, Kristen. And I'm at kristenandchill.com. All of my stuff is up there if you guys want to hit me up and uh, get my help. So again, kristenandchill.com. Charm more than just her socks off. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, I have my fantastic, wonderful, beautiful, sexy, I have a million words to describe her that are all positive and fantastic, but she's my neighbor. She's wonderful. Her name is Suzanne. She's on the show today talking about the signs women give when they're flirting and how you can pick up on these subtle signs, these cues, these little nuances that are out there, little things for you to pick up in the world so you can say, all right, she's into me. I'm going for it. We also talk about her and dating because she is married to somebody that is 20 years her senior. She was 21 years old when she met him. So we're going to talk about dating older men. A lot to cover on this episode. So keep listening. Welcome back to another episode of the Ask Women podcast. It is just me today. Kristen's internet is out, aka she's probably fast asleep right now and not able to come onto the show. Anyway, 
you don't need her because I have my wonderful, beautiful, amazing neighbor on the show who also happens to have a very special skill set. I have Suzanne on. Hi, how are you? Hi, (laughs) I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Excited to be here. (laughs) Good, I'm excited (laughs) to have you on. I've never been on a podcast before, so I am a little nervous, but I'm excited too, because this is definitely a subject that I'm really excited to talk about. So, Yeah. Well, you are a chatter, so I know that you will have no problem (laughs) talking on this podcast. So why don't you tell the guys who are listening a little bit about who you are and what you do for a living? Sure, sure. I am the founder of Social Foundations. It is a clinic in... Los Angeles, and I work with individuals that are on the spectrum, that have ADHD, that have anxiety, but specifically in the social arena. So anyone really with social challenges is my client and my demographic. So that is what I do. I teach social learning to young adults, to adults, to children, to teenagers, to anyone who really needs the coaching. So that is what I do. Yeah, which is very amazing. And so the reason that I wanted to have you on this show was number one, that you teach social skills, which I think is just like so essential and so needed for so many people. But you had been talking to me about a client that you had recently where you were actually going out with them, kind of like what I did in the very beginning when I started my business, and you would help them with nuance and understand social cues and understand signs that they were seeing or giving to other people. And then I was like, oh my God, you have to come on our show and talk about that. So this is not my area of expertise. Well, it is kind of a little bit, but like you know it at the very, very basic level. So I would love for you to dive into the explanation of nuance and social hues, if possible, and then maybe explain to the guys who are listening a few easy ways to become more fluent or become better at working with nuance and exactly explaining everything that these guys can use to help them with their interactions with women and maybe why nuance is so important. Sure, absolutely. So nuance is sort of defined as really being able to kind of plug into and tune into the subtle differences that are happening around you all the time. And so especially in social situations, nuance is actually kind of, it equals social cues. They're the same thing. So when you are monitoring social cues, you're monitoring the subtle differences in expressions, in facial expressions, in body language, in voice, in tone of voice, in volume of voice. So these are all the things that you're doing in order to be able to pick up on social cues and understand nuance in social situations. So if you think about what we constantly do, we're constantly sort of micro-monitoring people's social cues all the time so that we react in socially expected ways. So that would be sort of the definition of what I would consider working on nuance and understanding nuance. Yeah, which is amazing. And would you say that women are more in tune or I don't even know what the right word is, but like where they're more receptive to nuance than men? Or do you know if they are? I'm not going to say that I'm an expert on that or knowing who's better, but I say that in general, there's a range. 
for women and men. So some are better than others. And it really is sort of, I would say that it's on for sure on like a spectrum as well. So some, some people are really, really great. Some men are great. Some women are great. And some are not so great. And it just depends on where you are sort of on the spectrum, how well you read social cues. Again, sometimes other things are involved. So certainly with some of my clients, if you're on the spectrum, those challenges, maybe the challenges in perspective taking and the challenges in you know, being able to use your eyes to gather information. So that can be a challenge. Some individuals may have other issues such as ADHD, which also can affect your understanding and being able to stay plugged in long enough to pick up on all of the social cues in an environment to then get that accurate picture. So it just really depends on the person and it depends on what other things are going on. Anxiety also plays a big, um, a big challenge sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Stress, anything that could be a distractor. Right. For sure. So what what would be some like basic skills that you could teach to my guys who are listening about what to take note of or even like how to start noticing cues from a dating perspective? So let's say that people are out socially, like some of the clients that you take out and they're out socially and they're standing alone. How do they start to see these things, like you said, using your eyes. Like, so how, so what are they looking for and what can their eyes tell them? Okay. So what you are doing, I mean, what we're constantly doing is monitoring social feedback. So there are three things that you're always noticing. You're noticing as someone is looking at you, right? Are they connecting with you, with their eyes? And at the same time, so there have to be three things in place. Are they looking at you? Is their body turned towards you? Are they responding? Are they offering up, you know, questions and feedback and conversation and continuing the conversation? So those three things need to be in place in order to start to begin to understand that interest level. So if someone is talking to you, but their eyes are moving all over the place, they're looking around the room, they're not staying connected with you, that's a sign that someone might not really be that interested. If someone is looking at you, but they're responding in short, curt responses, one word answers, a dismissive tone, they might be looking at you, but then that second point of social feedback is not there. They're not responding in a way that's continuing the conversation. Again, you know, also if someone is looking at you, but their body is turned away, Again, that's a sign that they may not really be connected and really be invested in the conversation or in the the approach. So those are just the three basic things that you really have to monitor and that have to all three be there in order for you to to kind of get that clue of like, oh, that person is ready to, that person wants to continue their, their interest in. Those would be the first three steps engaging interest. Okay. And so if you do notice these things, and let's say you are talking to a woman and she's giving you one word answers and she's her body language is turned away from you, is that a sign that she's not interested or a sign that maybe you're not giving the right cues to her that she can respond to? Are there different ways to respond to that kind of body language and that reaction from a woman? You could try. I mean, typically if a woman is not giving you those, I call them the ghost signals, it's probably not going to happen. It really needs to be there. I mean, if you're worried about attempting to make a connection, the first step would be to gauge the eye contact. So if you're making eye contact and she's making eye contact back and it's lingering, that would be 
your first signal to then approach. But once you're there, if you're not getting all three signals back, it's likely not going to happen. And so it's sort of to, you know, move on, cut the, finish the conversation and move on. Interesting. What other things do you teach your clients? Like when it comes, I, don't, I know that most of the stuff that you work with are at the very basic level, but what are some of like the top things that you cover other than eye contact? Okay. So what I typically cover it when we're talking about just making connections, making romantic connections, making friendship connections, those initial, so the initial steps. So working on the use of humor. So that's one of the things I definitely cover with clients because it's a big part of both, you know, how you can attract people and also how you can very quickly repel people. So kind of the appropriate use of humor, work on flirting techniques, very similar probably to what you do with your clientele, how to flirt and how to really read the feedback you're getting from others. I would say that my focus with clients has a lot to do with the responses that they're getting from others. So monitoring the responses. So when I'm working with others, we're kind of discussing different situations that come up and possible responses. Working also on having lines, having some kind of great pickup lines that are just ready to go that would be useful in any situation because sometimes with individuals who have developmental challenges such as being on the spectrum or ADHD, oftentimes being in the moment is very anxiety provoking. And so it can be hard to figure out what to say and what would be the right thing to say in that moment that would get you that connection and get you into that opening. So oftentimes with clients, I will prepare ahead of time. Um, and that's it, but that's actually something that's very useful across the board for anybody because if you can deliver an opening line or something funny and do it in a really relaxed, confident way, that's a step closer to getting the feedback that you want from your interest. Yeah. Well, what are some of those lines? What are the, some of the lines that you tell them to say? It's very individual. It really depends on the person, on what you can say. So if you have a guy who's pretty confident and bold, you can go with a line that could be a little provocative and a little funny. If you have somebody who's very shy, you want to kind of pull back. But I will say that typically an opening line could be related to the environment. So what the person is doing, it could also be a compliment. A compliment is always an easy, kind of an easy opener. You have a great smile. I love your shirt. I love what's on your shirt. These are also different ways of of being able to then find a common interest because really the, the big step after that opening line is to find that common interest and to find that connection with that person. So the opener really has to feel very natural and very comfortable. So it's kind of, again, it's kind of individual. Could be, could be humorous, could be a compliment, could be a comment on what's going on in the environment. So those would be just some examples of things I would work on sort of individually with clients. Okay, I love that. Well, let's get to you now because you are an attractive woman oh, who thanks. gets hit on <laughs> quite a bit, even though you're married and have children, but you are still very attractive. So tell me about obviously not lines that worked because you have a husband, but when you are out and about, mm-hmm. I'm sure you get hit on, I'm sure you get approached. And I know you do because you tell me. What are some things that have worked on you 
And what are some things that have not worked on you? Because just for people who are listening, you're a tough cookie as well. So you're not like an easy pushover sell. Like me, I, I want everybody to do well. So I'm like, oh, I'll give you five minutes of my time sure. because you worked up the courage to approach me. Y- you literally would be like, no, get away from me. I don't <laughs> <laughs> want to talk to you if, if it wasn't a good approach. So I want to know what works on you. Okay. What works on me is someone who approaches me after I've given a signal. So if this, and I give pretty clear signals. If I'm interested, I am going to make eye contact and I'm going to make lingering eye contact with you so that you know that I'm interested. That's what I tend to do. And then I, I give that guy the signal that I'm open, I'm ready, and I'm willing to talk. But if someone is trying and I have not given a signal, specifically not done those three things, I've not done the eye contact and my body positioning is not facing them and also not giving them the the conversational feedback as well. So giving so if, if someone is still kind of trying to push through that, the things that have worked have been I, I kind of like guys who are bold. I like people who try. And I do think that men do need to understand that you're going to fail many, many times. And that's just part of the process. But I do respect guys that try, that guys that are gonna that are bold and it's not always going to work with me, but I still appreciate the try. So I, you know, someone who's gonna come up and tell me that they had to talk to me, that they saw me across the room and that they had to talk to me. That was that's always something that has worked on me typically. I tend to like boldness. But again, part of being bold is also being able to notice to monitor nuance and social cues because if you're if you're bold and someone is really not interested it can be it can be very uncomfortable but if you're bold and someone starts to and I would start to smile and joke and laugh and in, that's a signal that I'm I'm there and I'm interested I mean that's me that's what I like but a lot of women can be put off by that so it really just depends so Again, it's it's constant monitoring of that interest level. And so the signals I'm going to give when I'm interested is I'm going to find that. I'm also going to try to find that common interest. So I'm going to engage in the conversation. I'm going to reciprocate by, with questions of my own. I'm going to smile. I'm going to laugh. Those are going to be the signals that I'm going to give when I'm interested. Right, because you're also bold. So I'm, I am also yeah. bold. But again, I always give pretty clear signals of interest. And most women do when they are interested. It's just being able to read that. So again, humor, boldness, all that still has, to, has a lot to do with being aware of the woman's comfort level. So you always want to be mindful of what her comfort level is. And again, women are going to show that very, very clearly, both in their faces, in their expressions, in their body language, and in their voices. I love that. Well, I want to take a quick break. And then if you're open to it, I want to talk about you and your husband because your husband is how many years older than you? He's 20 years older than me. 20 years older. And how old were you when you met him? How old were you? I was 21 when I met him. 21. Okay. So he was 41. 41. Right. Okay. So I want to talk about that when we come back from this break. Sure. Sounds good. Okay. Awesome. All right. We'll be back in a second. As I told you on Twitter... I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss and it's Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. 
just listen to the success stories. My boy, Cal Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105, and that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura R. Carmen, and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken. Receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1,000 recipes and tools you need to your weight loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, we are back and we are going to talk to Suzanne about her husband who is 20 years older than her and how she met him and what made her attracted. As a 21-year-old woman, why was she attracted to an older man? So the floor is yours. I want to hear about your story and what this older guy did to attract you. I'm going to marry him. Well, it definitely took me by surprise. I met my husband, Neil, actually through work. At the time, I was working for my father in a music store and Neil was a musician at the time, or he actually still is a musician, but at the time he was in a fabulous swing band. And that was one of the things that first attracted me was music and a guy who seemed to have so many different interests. So it started with music, but he also rode a motorcycle and he also at the time was a screenwriter and he was also working and doing all these different things. So what really attracted me was kind of the variety of skills that he had and interests. I found him to be very, just very interesting. And I loved the fact that he knew so many things about so many different areas and and just had like a very kind of lively and robust life. Yeah, which I think he still does, to be honest. Like, I think he's a, like a Renaissance man. Like, he he has a million different interests. Yes, he has he a does. million different interests and things that he's passionate about, which I love. Yeah, and he always has a comment about something or some sort of experience to relate to whatever is being discussed. Right. Which is why I'm sure you liked him as a 21-year-old because somebody who seems worldly and has their, you know has all these different passions is not only inspiring, it's super attractive. Absolutely. It really is. There was also a little element of danger that, I mean, not that I'm supporting any of, you know, being doing dangerous acts or anything, but there was a little element of danger in him. There was sort of, because he was, you know, he rode a motorcycle and, you know, being, being in a band makes you slightly 
a little bit badass. So I, I, yeah. I was attracted to a little of that sort of dangerous quality about him that he had this like very kind of an adrenaline. He, at the time he also liked to paraglide. So he would jump off a mountain, you know, every few weeks and parachute down a mountain. And these are just things that really attracted me to him. I find him very, very attractive. However, <laughs> what he would say, you know, is that he's, right. you know, a short, a short Jewish guy who's not the most, you know, attractive and good looking. And so he always felt like in order to get the kind of women that he wanted and that he felt like he really had to have skills and he had to have a variety of skills that would be very interesting and attractive to women like me that was his mindset and how he was kind of developing his skills and what he was aiming for. And actually at the same time, having a 15-year-old son, we're also sort of trying to kind of instill that in him, that skill-based learning so that he really has that ability to do many different things and have knowledge about so many different things that he can wow anybody, not just girls, but really be able to kind of talk to anybody and be in any conversation. But especially impressing girls too. Yeah, he's well-rounded. Like your your son, right. same thing. He is in Boy Scouts. He you know, is playing the saxophone. He's well-educated. He, you guys have wonderful experiences with him. So I think, yeah, you're definitely providing that same experience for him. Do you think that if Neil wasn't as well-rounded, but could still talk the way that he talks, like let's say he didn't paraglide and let's say he didn't ride a motorcycle and let's say he wasn't in a band, but he could still talk about a lot of things and maybe his passion was like ceramics and... <laughs> I don't know, like clay art. I don't I don't even know. But like, do you think that you would have been as intrigued? Was it about the actual actions that he was doing or just because he was a passionate person about life? That's how I yeah. actually see him. Yeah. That's a good question. Well, music, I mean, music is such a big part of my life and my family life because my dad is a musician. And so the music was, I would say that that's a big part of it if he didn't have that. No, I would still, I mean, I still find him very interesting and fascinating and he can talk about lots of different subjects, but I feel like the doing of it is what makes him who he is. So I think anyone who does anything, I think any hobbies and any interests and any skills are fabulous. My husband tends to have these particular skills, but I know so many guys who who don't ride motorcycles and who don't do that, but do other things. You know, they they hike and they definitely have other interests, maybe not Neil's, but I just I think men who are interested tend to be more interesting. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Definitely. So when you first started dating him, did you feel strange about the age difference? Or actually, did he feel strange about the age difference? I was always a very mature person, kind of an old soul. So for me, the age worked really well because I never really... Guys my age seemed very mature and I never tended to date guys my age. It may have been different at the time. I mean, when, when I met Neil, he had never been married and didn't have kids. It probably would have made a difference if he had had a family and and had been married before because your experiences are so different. He's sort of a little Peter Pan. <laughs> so he still is a Peter Pan. But I think that it would have made a difference, I think, if he had had other life experiences that I hadn't had in this, that he hadn't been married. And so it it, it worked out. Wonderful. And how was that 
like for him, do you even know? Because did did he struggle with that? Had he dated younger women in the past or were you his first younger woman? No, he didn't typically date younger women. He just dated. So he dated everybody. It didn't pose any problems and it certainly didn't pose problems with his family. So, I mean, I did a little bit with mine, but but not too bad. But no, his, I mean, his family was very supportive. I think they just wanted him to get married. Right. <laughs> His parents just right. wanted him to get married and have kids. So I think I, they were really yeah. thrilled. But no, I, he didn't seem to struggle. But again, I was also a very mature person at a very young age because of my upbringing. So I think it worked, it worked out fine. I mean, if I had been a different kind of 21-year-old, maybe probably not. But right. it ended up that we, that we were... You had a lot in common, obviously. You were on the same page. It yeah, like. yeah. But I also do think that that women are more mature than men and in general and, and at different ages and at different stages. So I think it does, it can work. Um, it did work out here because he's he was pretty and mature and I was very mature and it still is like that now. So I'm definitely more mature than he is. <laughs> right. Well, so I have a lot of guys who write into me and they say, I'm 55. I don't feel like I'm 55. I, I look like I'm 45. And my interest is not in the age range of 45 to 55-year-old women. I'm more attracted to girls who are you know, 25, 35. Will they think that that's disgusting? Will they be repulsed by me? How do we get over this age gap conversation? So I would love to hear what you would say to these guys about like how to get past that mental block when it comes to dating younger women. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, it is a, it is a challenge because it's a p- particular type of girl usually that goes for an older guy. So it can be someone who's looking for somebody established. It can be looking for somebody who, who's more of a father figure. There are so many different ways relationships work and the desire for relationships. But I would say that for guys looking for younger girls, I'm going to go back to sort of that skills and the interests. What makes you interesting, what makes a guy interesting is having a variety of interests and things that they like to do. So for an older guy who wants somebody who's slightly younger, that's just a really, it's a really good approach because there's more, again, more life experience in general. So being able to kind of show that you have different things that you enjoy doing is very, very compelling for younger women. It also helps to be healthy and fit. That's another important piece of it. Once you get to know somebody, oftentimes, as we know, and those of us who are married, looks don't matter as much. Once you've really gotten into that relationship and you're involved and you and there's an emotional connection, but in the beginning, it can be a hurdle. So your health level and your fitness and that, I would say, is probably pretty important. But what about guys who try to like age themselves down? So like they're trying to be super young or, and they aren't authentically young. Like, would you, would you advise men to, to stay as the older men that they are and just understand that there are going to be some women who are younger who will be attracted to them. So even if a woman on her profile says, okay, I'm only going to date guys in the age category of like 35 to 45 or 25 to to 38, would you say that men who see this should be like, yeah, oh, she's not going to be interested in me. Why would I even take a chance? Or would you would you advise differently? That is a really good question. I would say that women typically are open past the age range that they give. But it would be a very specific type of guy that would go past that 
age bracket. So it would have to be someone who maybe fits all the other criteria. So I would definitely, yeah, I would definitely try. I don't feel like there's any harm in trying, but just to make sure that if you're out of that bracket, that you still have the other qualities that she's looking for. Right. And she'll list those for herself. Basically, you're saying like, don't be deterred by the fact that she says, this is my cap. It means that she's open to somebody who can feel that way. It doesn't necessarily have an, you know, an age limit on it. Right. Right. And I do think embracing, embracing your age and being confident and self-assured is sexy at any age. So I feel like owning, just owning it and looking the best that you can at the age that you are is really the best bet. I think trying to trying to age down and trying to look younger is going to have the opposite effect. I'll give an example. So my my husband has your typical, you know, middle-aged hairline. So he's got the, you know, the receding, the receding hairline and the top is pretty bald, but he's got some hair on the back and Back in the day, there were so many men who would try to cover that up with hair pieces and, and hair plugs. And there was such an emphasis on hair. Manil calls this like the, the Michael Jordan effect. <laughs> Once Michael, Michael Jordan made that bald, very, very attractive and sexy. And men across the world started shaving their heads. And so now that's not an issue anymore. And I would say that's, that, again, appearance, if you're, if you're older, not that you have to be in the best shape, but healthy. Healthy is important. And also, if the hair is not so great, if the, the full head of hair isn't there and it's receding, just cut it super short. There's no taboo in it. And it's far more attractive than trying to than trying to pretend to have a full head of hair when you don't. And that also ages you more. Again, I think guys who are who are on the older side but who feel young, and this is actually what I hear from most men. Most of the guys I talk to don't feel their age. They feel much younger. And so it's translating that into what you're presenting to the girl. Because most women, what they pick up on is going to be that confidence, is going to be that comfort in your own skin. That's very, very attractive. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And that is a perfect place to end our show. Thank you so much for coming on and dealing with my mic issues. Sure, my pleasure. But you sounded wonderful. And I'm glad that I told you, you're (laughs) you're chatty. So it was perfect. You said the exact information that I was hoping that you'd share with the guys that are listening to our show. But tell people how they can get in touch with you if they do want to do some one-on-one work with you, either in person, which you're doing now, or over the phone, over Skype, whatever it is. How do they get in contact with you? Okay. So my website is socialfoundationsla.com. So it's foundations, plural, socialfoundationsla.com. And you can email me through that website. Wonderful. And so on that website, a lot of the work that you do is with people who are on the spectrum, correct? Is that is that... So I don't want people to be deterred if they are not on the spectrum because this is an area that you can help every single person with, not just, yeah. Yes. Yes. So the social coaching is very similar actually for people who are on the spectrum and people who are not. So it really isn't about the diagnosis. It's about what the needs are, that breaking things down into smaller components, strategies, being able to really have strategies for monitoring the social feedback you're getting. So really it's it's not necessarily for people on the spectrum, but 
because of my background and the work that I do, I that's who I tend to work with. But I feel like it's for really for anybody who just wants to have information on how they can be better at monitoring social nuance and social cues. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. New episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. I promise next time I will go back to my closet where there will not be an echo from my voice. But if you want to also listen to any of our episodes on YouTube so that you can watch slash listen, you can go to youtube.com slash Marnie Kinris. And if you want to send in questions for us, write them into ask at askwomenpodcast.com. And eventually we will overanalyze them and dissect the questions to death and give you an answer that you need. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. 